Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on. Good morning, everybody. How you doing today? Welcome to church. Welcome to Baptism Sunday. Come on. Can we give it up for Jesus for having people take a step up? Come on. Y'all do better than that. Come on. We are a church that's alive. We are loud. And we believe that God is in this place. Come on, I just shout like God's actually here. You better shout louder today than you do for the Bengals winning today. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I heard a couple of boos. I don't know about that. Come on, come on, Joe Burrow today. He's the man. Uh, we are going to jump into the word. I, I just love these Sundays where you just see God moving in people's lives. I, I, I like to go stand right over there and just watch people's faces as they come out of the water and watch God impacting their heart and just the tears and the power. And I remember what it was like when I took my step of water baptism faith. And I just, I, it, was, it was actually on, in 1999 on New Year's Eve going into Y2K. Anybody remember Y2K? I made sure I was covered for the world shutdown. I went into water on Y2K. Uh, at midnight, maybe. Uh, but I'm just so happy to be uh, with you in church this morning. We are in a series uh, called Dearly Beloved. You probably saw the big green wall, grass wall out there that said XO. That's a conference we're having. We have lots of people signed up. I'd encourage you. Uh, it's going to be an amazing marriage conference. It's also for singles. If you're dating or single or you want to know how to do marriage, uh, we'd love to have you and host you at that conference as well at the end of this month. Um, this series is called Dearly Beloved. We're going through the book of Solomon and uh, Song of Solomon, not the book of Solomon. He, he has several books, but the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. And uh, he wrote it. Solomon wrote it. And it's really um, a very sensual book. It is a uh, rabbis wouldn't let their understudies read it until some say 30. <laughs> no wonder there was a lot of dysfunction, I guess, maybe. Uh, I don't know. You need to learn about sex before you're 30. Come on, somebody. And uh, and so we, um, we are going to go through the book, and, and I would say it's, there's, it's very, there's a lot of talk about you know, passion and, and, and sex and foreplay, and it's a very erotic book. And so uh, you know, I'm going to keep it PG-13, um, and so I'm just don't email me and be mad at me if your kids are in here. Uh, because we have great kids ministry out there. We have three, five rooms, and uh, this is your warning right now. <laughs> Don't feel embarrassed, parents. We got an awesome area, and uh, I'm going to get into some. But but I would say 13 and up, 12, 13. You know they're hearing it and they're hearing these things in fifth grade, fourth grade. And uh, I, I listen. I'm actually I will give you some time today. Please don't feel embarrassed at all uh, for your kids to to go into our kids area, um, because y'all are going to email me and be mad at me if I if I don't give you that warning. So y'all y'all everyone heard the warning right online. If your kids are watching. Uh, and they're, you get them and you know, put something else on for them if they're younger than 12, in Jesus' name. Uh, I, I, I want to I talk about this. My son, I, it's, we always do a series every year on relationships, and uh, I promised my wife, she's like, can you please run through your sermon for me? I have to approve everything you're talking about today as we talk about sex and intimacy. Uh, Valentine's Day is tomorrow. H- how awesome is it that we got the Super Bowl on today and Valentine's Day the day after? I mean, that's, we all get a little a bit of everything that we love in those two days. And so uh, it's an amazing, amazing weekend for that to happen. Uh, My 17-year-old walked into my green room today and said, oh, all black? He's like, are you trying to pimp for the sex talk? I was like, like, no, man, I'm dressing up for your mama today. It's Valentine's. (laughs) That's what you said to me. I was like, I don't know if I can say that in church, but that's what he said. He's like, you pimping for the sex talk? I'm like, no, I'm just looking good, son. What's wrong with you? It's Valentine's. 
Um, this is going to be a teaching on intimacy, sex. We're going to keep it holy. Um, I promised my wife we would keep it holy. I'm going to help you today. I'm going to help men and women today. I'm going to deal a lot on communication and just intimacy and, and physical uh, intimacy, but more than that, um, emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy, and um, what the world looks at when it comes to sex and what the church and the kingdom should look at and how we should do our relationships. They should be different. Um, there was a guy, young pastor, took a new church on. And uh, he was there about two weeks, and some of the ladies in the church came up to him and asked him to speak at the civic uh, meeting, the women's civic meeting that week. And they, he was like, well, sure, I'd be honored to. And he's like, what's the topic? And they're like, it's, it's sex. And he's like, oh, he's a little uncomfortable. He's like, okay. So he goes home and begins to study on the subject, and uh, he's working to get his sermon ready. His wife comes in, and she's like, what are you, you, know, what, what are you studying for this, this evening? And he's like, oh, I was asked to speak at the women's civic, uh, civic t- uh, meeting. And he's, she's like, oh, great. What's the topic? And he was a little embarrassed. He's like, sailing, <laughs> sailing. And she's like, well, that's weird. She's like, you know, he doesn't really, you don't, he doesn't really like, you don't really like sailing. And, and so he's like, oh, it's fine. He does the talk and everything goes well. Uh, a couple of days later, his wife's in the grocery store and one of the ladies walks up to her and says, wow, your husband did uh, the talk and everything. And it, was a, it went great. He did an amazing job. He really seems to be an expert on the subject. And she said, well, that's strange. He's only done it twice. The first time he got sick, the second time he fell off. <laughs> It was just, <laughs> so, so listen, there could be, I'm trying to help remove the awkwardness of, of the talk. We're going to, we are going to keep it holy. And, um, really the song of Solomon is a, it's really a, a lovemaking manual. It really is. And, um, uh, God created sex. I'm just going to give you some thoughts today give you some scriptures to back it up. Um, God created sex. Uh, why? Here, I'm going to give you four reasons why God created sex. Number one, I think it's very important to promote unity. And, and this is in the context of husband and wife. You heard me talk last week. Sex is intended for, for husband and wife. It just is. Biblically, uh, we love all people. We don't judge anybody. Whenever I bring conviction, I do it with love uh, and a little humor. Um, but, but sex is intended uh, for husband and wife. I know culture has gotten away away from that, but the reality is when you have something as powerful of sex, something with that much power can either do great harm or great damage. And so it's not, it's not an evil thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a powerful thing. And so here, here's really the reasons God gave us sex. Number one, to promote unity. Uh, Ephesians 5.31, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. The Bible talks about that five times, that there's this unity. There's a spiritual bond, physical bond, emotional bond, but there's a unity. Uh, two, to provide enjoyment. Many people say sex is only for procreation. I, don't, I do not agree. It is way too fun to be just to make kids that you don't have a lot of fun with. <laughs> That's why God had to make it so good, because he knew you wouldn't do it again after you had to raise a kid. You know what I'm saying? You're like, wow, we're not going to do that again. Like, man, it's too good not to do again. You know? So, so it's more than just kids. It's enjoyment. Uh, Proverbs 5, 18 to 19. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Uh, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. So there's this picture of enjoyment and, and, and joy with sex to produce children. Very important. Genesis 128. Then God blessed them and said, let, uh, let them be fruitful and multiply. So it is for procreation. And I would say this, that's probably one of the only commandments we've all got right in our life. Be fruitful and multiply. Like we, we do that. And, but here's what's sad about that. Many couples or married couples only have kids to show for their sex and no connection. 
And it, and, and in the book of Song of Solomon, there's kids aren't mentioned once. They're not talked about at all. They're actually, it's all about this manual of love and emotional connection and sexuality and sensuality and foreplay and, and communication. And so, so the, now there's other books of the Bible that talk about children and how much of a blessing they are. I just joke around a little bit about the, the struggles of raising kids, but they're a blessing. But the reality is it, in, in this book, you know, that, that we don't want to just have kids. We want to have connection. Does that make sense? Um, and then to provide protection. That's the fourth thing I, I believe in the scriptures. First uh, Corinthians seven, five, do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may your, give yourselves to fasting and prayer. So we should be fasting and praying. That's just a given there and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so literally there's this protection. There's this protection from temptation because God gave us the, the blessing of sex. And so I would say to you today, the greatest, uh, the most important sex organ uh, in your life is your brain that our brains need to be rewired and reprogrammed to think about sex the way God looks at sex, to think about intimacy and connection the way the word of God talks about it. A study came out several years back, 80% of people that live together before marriage get divorced. 60% of people that get married at the justice of peace get divorced. 40% of people that get married in church get divorced. When someone gets married in church and the couples read the Bible together, pray together, believe God together, and grow in their faith together, the statistics, the statistics go from one to one, one in 1,051. I mean, look at the power of what the book actually does and what, what growing to, with God actually does and being in relationship with Jesus actually. The Bible changes things. Come on, guys. I don't want a church where 40% of people just get married at an altar and then split up afterwards. That, and, and we always hear it like the same rate is happening in the church than, as it is in the world. Well, not quite. The church is a little better, but we're not doing much better. The reality is we need to understand God's way and see those odds drop. Number one thought, sex is God's idea. He designed it. He made it. It is not dirty. It is not nasty. It is not bad. It is not sinful. It is not a necessary evil. It, it is not something that we have to live with. It's a good gift, a pleasing gift. It's not a bad thing. It's not casual and it's not carnal. Many people say, I've heard married couples say, well, it's just so carnal. It's not carnal. It's from God. It's not fleshly. It's godly. It's a God gift. Now, what is wrong with sex? Nothing. Nothing. The only thing that's wrong with sex is the perversion of sex when it comes to Satan's ability to twist and to malign the good gifts that God's given. Satan always has this ability and he wants to try to twist and take God's goodness and pervert it so it does harm. So number one, sex is a gift from God. It's God's idea. Second thought, uh, sex is sacred. It is, it is sacred. It, there are profound spiritual implications it is not just physical. It is so sacred. First Corinthians 6, 16 through 20. This is in the message version. This is, this, is, this is powerful. I love the message version sometimes, the message translation. It says this, there's more to sex than mere skin to skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as it is a physical act. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become one spiritually with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. Listen to that. Like since, since we want to be one with Jesus, we can't pursue sex that pursues this sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. L listen to the next line. Leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. 
Come on, we've all lived that life, or many of us have. Many of us have been there from one relationship to the next, trying to figure out how to get full, how to get whole, how to get complete, how to get rid of insecurities and fears, how to feel love. But the reality is that sex, it says it right here, it actually leaves you feeling more lonely than ever. It says that we can't pursue that kind of sex. There's a sense in which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God, listen to this, these bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love, the becoming one with each other. I'm not going to keep going on that verse, but that's just a powerful verse in, in Corinthians about how God designed us. It's more, it's sacred. Listen to me. So it's not just physical. You are a three-part being. So sex, there's, there's emotional oneness. There's spiritual oneness and there's, and there's physical oneness. There's three of those areas. And so when it comes to sex and, and, and marriage, all those pieces have a dynamic role to play. And God wants all that involved. Culture says sex is just physical. It's just a carnal physical act. You just can try it out with whoever you want. You can do it with whoever you want. It's just a physical act. It's just pleasure. I'm going to take care of my needs. I'm going to have fun. All that. No, no, no. There's a deep, profound, spiritual, and emotional implication when it comes to the powerful tool and the powerful gift of sex. And so, and so culture's way of, of, of doing this is we're going to have a physical, physical connection first. And so a lot of times what happens is culture will begin to date. Like people will say, well, we're going to date. And then as we begin to date, we're going we're gonna to go and we're going to begin to sleep together to see if it's good. I hear people say it all the time. Well, pastor, I got to sleep with them before we married to see if it's any good. I'm like, well, if you don't have nothing to compare it to, it's going to be good. <laughs> the problem is you're comparing to stuff that you shouldn't be comparing to, right? And so, and so the reality is, like when I turned 16, I got my first car. I, I'd never driven before. It was good. I had fun. <laughs> I never, I didn't have a license before, right? Now that I got the license, it was, it, so, so culture goes, okay, we're going to have sex. Then we're going to go to the emotional connection. So date a little bit, have sex quickly. I mean, the average there, I could tell you the averages on how fast couples have sex nowadays. It's insane. And, and so, and so literally there's like, there's like rules on the third date. Like, I can't remember we were talking and studying about this and looking at stats. Like the third date is like what, that, that's the appropriate date to have sex on, Right. And, and so, and so they, they'll go to emotional connection and begin to talk about dreams and their heart and their wants and their secrets and their life and their background for emotional connection. And then they may get married or may not. It might move on from there. But here's the thing. If they do get married or if they don't get married and they're together, they eventually realize there's something huge missing and it's the spiritual oneness. That that's the most profound oneness you can have in your relationship is a spiritual oneness. And so when that's missing, your relationship can actually never go. And I'm talking to even husbands and wives right now that are Christians. If there's no spiritual oneness in your life, your relationship can never go to the depths of the levels that it could if you became spiritually one. And so there's this uh, physical connection with the world. And then there's an emotional connection. And then and then they want a spiritual connection. Maybe usually they leave that out altogether. So Solomon does it different. When we read this book, he actually falls in love with this woman. I talked about it last week and he, and he sees uh, her life and he does it with God's wisdom. She sees his life. And so you can write this down. Start your relationship with a spiritual connection. Start your, if you're single in here and you're dating, make it a, a spiritual connection. If you're married and you're wanting to renew some things, get your spiritual connection going. Start it with spiritual. Solomon, he sees this young lady and she's all against her. She thinks she's ugly. She's like, I'm not pretty. I'm ugly. I've had to work hard with my hands out in the field. Uh, my brothers made me do hard work out here. Uh, they gave me the tough jobs. I mean, look at, Solomon's looking at a woman 
It's not all about the outward beauty. It's not all about the, the, the glitz and the glam. It's a woman that's been out in the field working hard, sacrificing, uh, has some character, has some traits about her, didn't run from a family situation, stayed committed and submitted to God, stayed committed and submitted to her family, even when she felt like she was getting the bad end of the deal. Solomon sees this kind of woman and goes, wow, I, I love this woman. She, the Bible says that she hears about his name and his name is like ointment that's poured out. He has character. He's godly. His reputation's gone before him. She's like, I know this man. So they're falling in love in the spiritual sense. They're seeing each other's character and their spiritual connection. And then, and then you see all through the scriptures, they go into now this emotional dance and they begin to connect emotionally. And so chapter one and two is really their dating phase. And then chapter three comes to the wedding. And if you read the book, they're actually reminiscing back on uh, their falling in love and some of the wedding night and those type of things. And in chapter eight, they actually renew their vows. And I'm going to talk about that in a couple weeks. Um, but, but all through chapter one and two, they're connected emotionally. And then there's the wedding night in chapter three, and then chapter four, or the wedding in chapter three, and then chapter four, they're actually having the wedding night. And so, and so Solomon's talking all about um, character, and, and she's talking about his character. So here's how they have this connection. First, spiritually, and then emotionally, there's a progression, and then physically, okay? I know this is one-on-one for some of you guys, but is this helping anybody today? I know this is a little bit, I'm, I'm trying to, y'all are just staring at me. Is everything okay? That's what happens in church, right? Uh, so, so number one, you know, start with a spiritual connection. Number two, sex is a two-part harmony. Sex is a two-part harmony. Here's a verse for that. Look at 1 Corinthians 7, 3. It says this, the marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. We can go home on that right now. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve one another, whether in bed or out. So literally, sex is not a solo performance. It's, it's a husband and wife figuring out how to serve one another. And I'm going to go to here today. I have people ask me all the time, is masturbation sinful? So, so I would say this. It's selfish at the least. And selfishness is sinfulness, okay? And, and that's at the least. It's lustful at the worst. And people say, listen, I'm a pastor. I get all kinds of conversations. They're like, well, I, you know, I don't lust. I just clear my brain out. I don't think about anything. I, I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt that, okay? I, I don't think that's, that, that's real. I don't think that's possible. And so, so maybe, and then I've had people tell me, well, I do think about stuff, but I think about my spouse. And I have, a, I have a picture of my spouse or whatever. Well, let me just say this. God said, don't worship images, have no graven images. Have no idols. Don't set up any images. We're in the image of God. We, we, the sex is a fulfillment of our, our worship and relationship with God. And so, so I would say that it's just, I'm just throwing some stuff out. You can disagree with me all you want, but I'm just giving you some thoughts uh, scripturally. I, I wrote this down. Uh, masturbation develops in you a dangerous lie that you can fulfill your sexuality independent of intimacy. You can fulfill your sexuality. Culture says you can just be sexual. We're sexual beings. We're sexual people. Everybody's exploring sexuality. The reality is you can't explore your sexuality independent of intimacy with your spouse. And, and so you shouldn't because here's what that does. That breeds isolation and emotional immaturity because you don't have to fight for intimacy. See, God gave us each other to fight for intimacy, to work through stuff. And we're going to get to that in a little bit with communication. Next week, I'm going to talk about how to handle conflict well. 
But the reality is uh, we need to have these marriage, uh, marriage relationships that meet each other's needs, that work to serve each other and give to one another. Y'all following me? And so, so culture says uh, the exact opposite. Get as much sex as you can, when you want, how you want, where you want. But God says, serve one another in the, in, the, in the picture of marriage. So Solomon understood that this type of sexual relationship, everything about your sexual relationship in the, in the, in the book of Song of Solomon, you can see all of their sexual relationship was a mirror of the rest of their relationship spiritually and emotionally. And so what I mean by that is whatever's happening in your sex life right now, in your marriage, is a picture of the other 23 hours of the day of your life. And so if, it, if it's good, then you have a great thing going on. And let me just say, I'm working on these things myself. I'm about to teach some stuff that I'm not there yet. I'm going to teach on communication and relationship. I am working on it day in and day out with my wife, with me, uh, and my heart to make sure I'm communicating and caring for my wife well. And so I'm going to, I'm going to look at some of these thoughts about uh, intimacy, spiritual intimacy, emotional intimacy, and physical intimacy. That there's an atmosphere, men, that we have to create. If we want our sex lives to be well, we have to create an atmosphere. I'm going to talk a lot to the guys, and then I'm going to talk to the ladies at the end. Is that okay? There's an atmosphere. Solomon knew there was an atmosphere that he needed to create to to make her feel treasured. Uh, Wives, you need to make your husbands feel respected. Women, uh, men, you need to make your wives feel treasured. We talked about that last week. All through chapter one, Solomon's talking about her, her, what she looks like and her beauty. She's insecure. She's, she doesn't value herself. She looks at her body bad. She looks at her status bad. Solomon begins to love her and cherish her and value her and build her up with his words over and over and over. And all of a sudden you see this atmosphere begin to create value in her. And by chapter two, her whole demeanor's changed. Her whole attitude's changed. She's actually like, I feel a little good about myself now. I feel good. Solomon's like, you are fair. You are beautiful. He actually says, and here's a picture of what Jesus says to you and I. He actually says, you are fair. You're beautiful. There is no spot or blemish in you. He doesn't go, but... There's no but at the end of that. There's no spot or blemish. Jesus says that about you today. There is no spot or blemish in you. You are my bride. You are beautiful. You are valued. You are fair. You are worth. You are, you are full of worth and value. There is no spot or blemish in you. There's no but. Many of you think there's a but from God right after that. There's not. And so this book, a lot of this book and this mirror of marriage is to show us the incredible, audacious love of God pursuing you and I and loving us without, without constraint. And it shows Christ's love and his, for his bride. And so Solomon's mirroring that and talking about how amazing she is. And all of a sudden now there's this passion that begins to arise. Let me say this. Uh, husbands, value your wives. If you're in a dating relationship, young ladies, or, you know, ladies, if you're dating and he doesn't value you, get out. If he's not making you feel valued, if he's not making you feel respected, if he's not making you feel honored, if, if you're married and he's not, get help. If, if he's not making you feel like you are, if he's not adding value, if he's decreasing your value, you get out. Not out of a marriage, of a dating relationship. Because I'm telling you, many of you will go, well, it'll be better when we're married. No, it won't. <laughs> You, no, it won't. Come on, you've been that, down that road. We get it. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't get better. It, it gets worse, actually. And so, I, as your pastor, right now, you can blame it on me. My pastor told me, I'm out. You know, I'm giving you a door right there. So if it's not, there's no value. Solomon understood. I'm going to connect spiritually. I'm going to connect emotionally. And there's this oneness and, and he begins to treasure. Here's the problem. Most of us guys have no idea how to treasure our wives. We don't know how to do it. 
I, it was my wife and I's anniversary, 21 years last week. Come on, baby. I love you so much. Great anniversary. And we got each other, you know, trying to get gifts and everything. And so I got her some, I went shopping, got her some clothes. Come on, man. You need to know your wife's size. You need to know what she likes. Come on, get bold. Be, get in touch with your side, your feminine side. I've, I've gone out shoe shopping for my wife. And one lady's like, don't even try it, honey. I'm like, girl, you don't even know. I know all about shoes. You know, I, I went out and got her some clothes. I got her some stuff. And, and then I wrote her a poem and a letter. Both. Yeah. And so, so come on, it's been a while. And you know, for a poem, she, and so like, she got me a card and some gifts and things. And so some candy. And then, and so the next day we're on the phone she goes, or we're talking, she goes, you got, I got a, She goes, I got a poem and a letter. I was like, yeah, I figured it was so, that's so much better than a card. She goes, you didn't like my card. I was like, no, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. <laughs> it just came out so wrong. We just, we laughed, you know, a lot of times though, like, like we don't know how to treasure our wives. And so I'm going to give you some keys on treasuring your wife that Solomon gave us. So here's some keys to sexual intimacy, men. You better take some notes today. Ladies, if he's not taking notes, you better get his phone out, take notes for him today. Do something. The first key is communication, communication to have spiritual oneness. I'm gonna give you different levels of communication, spiritual oneness. You have to communicate with God together, pray together, pray together, pray together. Pray together. It can be five minutes. Lay in bed. Pray for your kids. Pray for your job. Pray for your husband. Pray God's favor. Just get the Lord's prayer and pray the Lord's prayer over each other. I, I don't know. Just pray over each other. It's not, you know, listen, I'm a pastor and I don't do it all the time. And so I know you ain't doing it all the time. And so the reality is we need to pray for each other. And studies show that sexual intimacy is so much better in relationships that pray together. Why is that? Because sex is not just physical. It's emotional. It's spiritual. And so I would encourage you to pray together, build a relationship. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know all the right things to say. Just work on your relationship with God and with each other. Does that make sense? And then, and then if you want to move to, to emotional connection, Solomon gives us a couple thoughts about communication. Number one, you have to have verbal communication. Solomon teaches us to verbalize our love. Man, I know it's hard. Verbalize our emotions. Verbalize how we feel. Verbalize. A huge problem in marriage is men do not know how to communicate. And, and I hear it all the time. If he would just open up to me, if he would just talk, if he would just share his heart, if he would just share his emotions, if he would just be real. And that's a huge problem. And, and here's why. Because men and women communicate different. So when we go watch football games today, men are going to watch the football game to watch the football game. And the level of conversation we're going to have is, yeah, pass the chips. That's it. When women go with us tonight to watch the game, they're going for an excuse to chat, to talk, to communicate. When they get together to what now, I'm not going to do a generalization. Don't email me like I like football too. I know you do, but you can multitask. We can't, we watching the game. And so, and so, you know, you're going to watch the game. You want to watch TV with your girlfriends or whatever is to communicate and chat and talk. You guys can multitask women. Let me help you, please. Ladies, please, please, please. We can't do like you do. So you have to keep it simple for us. Keep it simple with communication. We can't talk about 50 things at once. We can't. We can't. Scientifically, it's proven that when we're focused on a task, our hearing goes to 50%. It's because we have to kill stuff. And, we, and God didn't want us to hear what might be able to eat us from behind. You know what I'm saying? We're killing bears. 
And God's like, we got to dim their hearing when they're focused on something. And a lot of you wives are like, he just doesn't listen to me. He know he can't even hear you. You got to get in front of him, grab his cheeks and go, let me make it simple. I love you. Could you please do this? You know what? I'm just, I'm just really, I'm being silly, but it's real. Like that's science. You can go look it up. Science says that men's hearing shuts down when they begin to do an actual specific task. And so, so you guys can like multitask and talk and chat. Usually also women, you, you're external processors and you verbalize externally. And so when you do that with your husband, a lot of times he thinks you're bringing a list of problems to fix. (laughs) We talked about that last week. Listen to me, husbands, she's not bringing a list of problems for you to fix. She's wanting to connect with you emotionally. She's wanting to talk. She just wants to drag you into her problems. (laughs) It's called marriage. (laughs) <laughs> and, and you're not supposed to fix anything. You're only supposed to listen. She wants to communicate and, and listen to me. If she says, uh, can we talk? Don't say, men, do not say, well, what do you want to talk about? Or do you have something important to talk about? Don't say that. She just wants to connect emotions. She's going, well, can't we just talk about relationships and emotion and developing oneness and communication? And let me, let me help you guys. It'd be like, if you said, Hey honey, let's make love. And she said, well, why? We already have three kids. You want another one? It's the same feeling. You're going, well, just because it's fun, it's Friday or it's Monday or it's Tuesday or it's Wednesday or it's Saturday, whatever. It's just the day of the week. That's why let's enjoy each other, whatever. And you're going, and that's how you feel. She was like, why? That's the same way she feels when you go, well, do you have something important to talk about? I'm trying to help you guys build. I'm talking to myself too. Come on. I'm going to go home. I've, I've already got the notes. I'm going to study them all month. <laughs> and so, and so you, you have to begin to say, okay, I need to connect emotionally. I, I want I to understand and connect and have relationship that way. So you're creating this, this verbal connection. It, most women would say the problem or the breakdown in their marriage is that he just is reluctant to talk. And, and, and connection for her, communication for her, verbal connection is intimacy. It's, it's emotional oneness. And, and you have to do that, man, or she feels unloved. And you'll never get to physical intimacy in a healthy way if you're not connecting that way emotionally. And so I think it's important. And I would say to you guys as well, if she's talking to you, that, that's, how she, that's her reward. That's her reward. She rewards with talk, with, with chatting, with building relationship. That's how she talks with her friends. That's how she wants to talk with you. My wife, a lot of times when I'm not listening, she's like, I want to be friends. I want to be friends. I'm like, football, you know? I mean, think about it. Like, like all through the scriptures in this book that Solomon, the Shulamite woman compares Solomon to a gazelle. I'm going to get to this in a minute, but, but a gazelle is swift and smooth. It was a sign of strength and sexuality and so, so you're, it's seven times he's compared to a gazelle. Are you a gazelle or are you a gorilla? <laughs> uh, you know, Ooh, you know, like gazelle it. Come on, somebody like have a little smooth game. Come on, Chris. You, your wife was telling me about you writing songs on the guitar and like, you're right. Come on, baby. Yes. You need my suit, man. I don't know. I, I just like. That's a reward is her words. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. I, I really feel like a lot of times you are getting all of her words and you just want to shut them down and you don't want to hear them. And so it, it's, that's, a, that's a reward. I think you know it's bad when she goes silent. 
It's called the silent treatment, right? The problem with us guys is for the first 10 minutes, we think everything's great. We're like, man, this is great. We're doing great. It's amazing. Everything's good. It takes us about 20 minutes to realize we're in trouble. Man, what'd I do? You know, so, so you have to begin to connect emotionally with communication. And then the second, so number one, verbal connection. She has to have it. Number two, verbal caresses, verbal caresses. Solomon does this all through the scriptures. Chapter four, it's the, it's the pinnacle of the wedding night. They go into the wedding chamber. Solomon doesn't go gorilla. Close off. Ah! <laughs> Ooh, that's not what he does. Come on, guys, get some game. Solomon begins to talk about this woman and think about this. They've shut down love over and over. And over. Like don't awaken sex. Don't awaken sex. Come on. Let's connect spiritually. Let's connect emotionally. And all of a sudden now it's wedding night. Come on. Most guys would be like, let's go. And he's like, you're beautiful. Your eyes are beautiful. Your hair is beautiful. Your teeth have their twins. You ain't missing no teeth, girl. You look good. That's what he says. That was a big feat back then with no dentist. You know what I'm saying? He's like, your, your teeth. He's like, he goes, he goes like the sevenfold beauty of the bride. He works from her hair all the way down her body. And he, and he does it in a way I can't go into all of it, but the reality is you can read it for yourself. Chapter four, think about it. He's still taking time to commit, to connect emotionally, even though it's the right there in the moment of, of physical sexuality. And, and he knows what he's doing. He's doing it intentionally to create an environment. And look what her, her response is in verse 16. It's the first time she speaks in the whole chapter. In verse 16, she said, hey, don't awaken love. Don't awaken love. Don't awaken love. And then the first thing she says is, north wind blow, south wind blow. Let my lover come in and taste the garden and eat its fruits. Y'all can, y'all can understand that easily. And so, and so the reality is she is deeply and passionately in love with this man, ready to respond because of all of the spiritual and emotional connection. This is a daily thing, people. This isn't a, a honeymoon night thing. This is a relational marriage thing. It's so important. A couple thoughts. The number one need of most women in marriage, listen to me, guys, is non-sexual touch. Non-sexual touch. Holding hands, kiss, hug, a card, a flowers, affection. To, to guys, non-sexual touch is like an oxymoron. We don't even know, what does that even mean, Right? And so my wife will say to me, like, just, I want you to kiss me when you don't want something. You know, a lot of women will say, you never kiss me unless you want sex. You never hold my hand unless you want sex. And so, and so that's a real thing, like non-sexual touch. Your wife needs that all the time. A number one need of most men in relationship is sexual fulfillment. And so they go hand in hand, right? And so what happens is we get dysfunctional and the man's not giving affection, not making her feel treasured. So she's not giving him sexual fulfillment. And there's a cycle of dysfunction. Someone has to break the cycle. And I think biblically it puts it on our shoulders, men. I think it puts it on my shoulders. I, th I think your wife has to work in, on her and her life. It doesn't mean she can just say, hey, you don't ever get sex. If you're not being nice, that's manipulation. But the reality is like, like it's on us to break a cycle of dysfunction sometimes. First Peter 3, 7 says it this way. You husbands must be careful of your wives. Be thoughtful of her needs. And so Solomon does this and he begins to speak about her beauty and her body. Listen to me, men. How dare you devalue your wife's body? point out flaws, point out imperfections. If you do that, you, it does not, it takes a little man to belittle a woman. It takes a little man. I've never, I, I mean, with my, maybe, you know, I'm careful, like with my wife, I would never, she could, she work out when she wants to work out. I'll work out. I, men, the problem with us is we get in front of the mirror and be like, I got it. It's gone. <laughs> 
it's gone, you know? But women don't feel that way. They constantly have insecurities about their body and about their image. And, and you cannot point or say things. You value, you build up, you talk about how beautiful she is daily. She needs verbal caresses daily to feel special and intimate. And if he's putting you down, y'all come see me. We'll come meet and we'll, get, we'll, we'll talk, we'll counsel, and we'll, we'll make sure. So that's important. I want to talk to the ladies real quick. I got 10 minutes left with you. Ladies, um, so I've, a lot of, I'm going to, what I'm about to share now is assuming that he's working on emotional connection, assuming he's working on spiritual connection, and you have a part in that, both of you do. I want to say this to you. Now, rest, when it comes to the bedroom and moving to physical connection, rest in total acceptance. Rest in total acceptance. What do I mean by that? Number one, rest in God's approval. Begin to rest in God's approval. Women, I say this majority to, to ladies because, because many of you carry pain or hurts or misunderstandings, or bring beliefs into the bedroom that maybe were from different upbringings or different situations. And, and in that situation, like whether someone might have hurt you or harmed you or abused you in a certain way um, or did certain things in your life that kind of took away from, from who you are in that area or made you feel gross, or maybe you made mistakes and you feel dirty or you feel like, oh, I'm not worthy. Let me just say to you, you need to rest in God's approval. You are a brand new creature in Christ. All those things are passed away. If you need to get counseling, you need to get help, you've got to work with your husband through those issues because God wants you to enjoy sexuality in the context of marriage. He wants you to. He actually glorifies and glories in you two having sex together in an intimate way. The only time God speaks in the Song of Solomon, it's in chapter five, and God says, it's the only time he speaks, he says, drink your fill, O lovers. Drink your fill. I love it. And, and so if there's, if there's things you're carrying and you need God's approval, you need to rest in that approval from God that you're pure, that you're holy. And if you can't rest in that, man, get some help, get some counseling. And uh, I'd encourage you, maybe men too, man, if you're in that situation and you've been hurt or abused or you have a reluctancy in some way, you need to rest in the approval of God. Um, I think it's important. I, I do this with couples a lot of times. Um, I'll give them a little bit of counsel um, on, on sexual intimacy. If you're struggling in this area of sexual intimacy, um, I say, uh, I give a kind of a counseling prescription, and this is, I've done it for years. Uh, so assuming you're working on other parts of your relationship, then I would say have sex twice a week. People say, what's normal uh, in, a, in a marriage relationship with sex? Anywhere from one to seven times a week is, is normal, okay? So, so he's laughing in the front row. He's like, my God, seven. You know, seven, we go to heaven. You know, I, I saw it all over you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, glory to God. Seven is a number of perfection in the Bible. It's, numa, numa, it's a holy number. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, sorry, I'm getting off track. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, get, I tell couples this. So, so have sex, if you're struggling, have sex twice in the week. Um, both of you have to initiate once. And either one of you can only say no once. And so it's a, it's a prescription that you're having to make love twice a week and there's initiation from both parties and you're allowed to say no and the other party can initiate. But, but so, so you need to get free and get free in God's love. Be comfortable. I want to say this, ladies, listen about your, your husbands. It's important. Your husbands are turned on visually. They're turned on visually. Rest in God's love. Turn on the lights. Quit hiding, quit being ashamed, quit putting yourself down. 
Quit, quit being, husbands, if you're making her feel that way, it's on you. But ladies, if it's just in your heart, quit hiding. They're turned on visually, turned on with their eyes. Okay, listen to me. This is gonna, be, this is gonna help some of y'all. Men, you better give me some help, okay? You, amens in a second. Anything in silk is better than flannel. Yeah. Some of y'all are like, my God, I love this church. <laughs> That's a man of God right there. <laughs> Anything, anything in, in anything in lace is better than flannel. Ladies, get rid of that pajama robe. Get rid of those flannel. Get rid of that old ratty robe. Listen to me. I'm telling you. Like, put some effort. If we're gonna do the effort on our end to emotionally and spiritually connect, put some effort into finding a little something. You know what I mean? It's real. And hear me, man. You don't need to be up in Victoria's Secret because I because listen to me. You don't need to be up in there. I'm, it's true. You don't even need to be walking by the sign. You're like, well, I just go looking for my wife. We all listen. You can't. You can't go to a to a car lot without picturing yourself driving that thing. God's giving you an imagination. Like it's a God-given imagination. There's no way you're gonna go look at a Porsche car lot and not picture yourself like in that Porsche, right? So. So like, like, don't go there. Like, don't shop online at a bunch of lingerie models. Listen, don't do that. Women, women, be, make your husband comfortable to tell you what he likes and go buy it. And if he can't come to you and honestly tell you what he likes and what he'd like you to wear, then you have a deeper problem in your marriage and a deeper problem of intimacy and connection. And so if that's the case, you need to communicate safely with one another about what you might like together. Does that make sense? All right. And then the second thing, ladies, you need to know, please be responsive, uh, be an initiator. Guys want you to, to initiate in the book of the song of Solomon. Listen to me. Most of the initiation comes from her. Read the book. Most of it comes from her. We, we are insecure. We've been being rejected since third grade. We are scared. Like, like be responsive, like it, just like you would you communication and connection emotionally with us. If we weren't being emotionally connected and we weren't responsive to that, that's the same way we feel sexually. Right. And so so I would encourage you to respond. Like I told you, I give that little prescription two times a week. You 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 initiate. He initiates whatever you need to do. But be be responsive. Right. I think it's important. I have one pastor friend. He's passed away now. His name is Miles Monroe. His wife had a little blue light. She flipped the little blue light on in her bedroom. He'd come home from work. He'd be like, oh, the blue light is on. He's cleaning the whole house, putting the kids down. What do you need, babe? The blue light is on. Listen, listen, we are dull. We, need, we don't need hints. Don't be like, well, the kids are gone. We don't know. We don't get that. We, we don't know. Get in our face. Put something on. Be like, what's up? It's your night. You know, I mean, we need to know. We miss hints. We, we, don't, we, don't, we miss it. And so don't think we're not paying attention. Don't think that we, we don't care. We don't value it. Just be initiators. Does that make sense? Okay, so rest in God's approval. Number two, rest without resentment. I'm gonna talk about this next week. Many women carry resentment into the bedroom because their husbands have not been working on emotional connection, fighting fair, getting to the heart of intimacy. We'll talk about that next week. Come back. So, but go into the bedroom without resentment. Number three, rest in your commitment to each other. This is for both of you. And I'm gonna pray. Rest in your commitment for each other. Rest in that. The whole entire book, sexually, 
is based off of a deep commitment to one another, a deep commitment to love, not, not flashy love, not external love, a deep agape, agony love, committed to the thick and thin. Two of the books of the Song of Solomon are about conflict. Two out of eight, 25% of marriage in this book is conflict. I mean, think about it. Like, be committed and rest in that, in that physical connection because there's an emotional and spiritual connection. I would ask you today to do a couple things. Um, number one, if you're single in here, I'd ask you to commit to doing this God's way, to living and finding sexual intimacy and oneness physically and spiritually and emotionally God's way. If you're single, trust God. Trust God. He cares for you. You're his idea. Sex is his idea. If you're married, I just ask you right now, would you just grab the hand of your spouse and, and maybe just squeeze their hand saying, you know what? I'm committed to you. I'm committed to, to a fresh relationship with you. I'm committed to actually serving you before me. Each of you, just squeeze the hand a little bit and say, you know what? I'm committed to putting your needs first and serving you in this marriage in a new way. I promise you, listen to me. Whatever you commit your marriage to, that's what it'll become. We've got a marriage conference coming up. Many of you go, I want a good marriage this year. My wife and I have been dreaming about some things in our marriage. 21 years. Like, what does our friendship look like? The Waters, Kevin and Deborah right here, they, they did a little acronym or acrostic with their last name and put some things they want for their life and their marriage in there this year. You get what you're committed to. You become what you're committed to. Commit some things in writing and verbally with each other. We want to be friends like this. We want to go deeper. We want to do a little more dates, do more time. We want to go to XO conference. Commit. Commit to purity and oneness and I promise you God will do some amazing things. I want to do something real quick before I, before I close up. Chris and Kate, would y'all come up here real quick with me? You guys know Chris and Kate Tosada. Come on up here, man. So we're going to pray for them today and they're going to get married today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> These are our student pastors and, uh, and Chris and I have been praying together for about four months, five months, and Kate as well. And um, this is, a, this is a, a sad, but also, Chris calls it tears of soy. He likes soy, he likes soy sauce, but um, um, Chris is from Las Vegas, and they have a heart, and God's put on their heart to plant, to go out and plant a church in Las Vegas, and to, uh, and to reach people in Las Vegas. And so um, he's been going out there a little bit, and we've been praying together, and, and uh, we've been praying about timing. And obviously, it's a sad thing when someone in your house kind of grows and flies off to do things God has for them to do, but it's a celebration of growth and expansion. And so they're actually going to a sister church, another ark church called the Avenue Church. I got their, the pastors are friends of mine, the Bozmas, and these guys are going to be uh, working hard and, and here, part of our family forever. Pastor says, uh, Chris says, I'm his pastor forever. And just, we got a special relationship. This man really, um, just when I was going through a lot of tough times in my life, uh, just in the last couple of years, he was there with me and for me. And um, anyway, they've been doing an amazing job with our students and pouring into your kids. And so at the end of May, we're going to pray over them and send them out. But um, so we got about three, four months with them, but they're going to be going to Vegas and and doing God's work there in Vegas. And then coming back, I told him he's going to invite me to come preach out there and um, on sailing in Jesus' name. And, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Would you just extend your hands? Let's pray for them real quick. Father, thank you so much for this couple. 
Thank you that they're world changers. Thank you that they're a special type to be able to go into Las Vegas. It's going to be God's city, not sin city. We thank you that it's going to be a city with the light, that these guys bring light and bring and bring the peace and the power of God into that city. Lord, I thank you that, that they would bring such a, 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 a lamp and a light there that they'd be seen from every area, that the desert would have springs of water in it. You said that a new thing would rise up. Lord, there's great churches there. They're not coming to be the greatest. They're just coming to serve. They're coming to dig a, to dig a hole, to dig a well of revival out there. I thank you, God, that they would see springs of water spring up in a dry, arid land, that they would be refreshing to all those they come in contact with. <coughs> Father, I thank you that today and until they leave, they would continue to be fruitful and bear fruit here. I thank you that they're a part of our family forever. We just pray your hand on their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Love you guys, man. We're going to pray over them again at the end of May. Love you, Kate. We're going to pray over them at the end of May and just, uh, and just believe God and send them out like that. But I wanted to do that now and let you guys know that, that God's working and moving like that. And it's a healthy thing. Come on, we celebrate them and we celebrate what God's doing. They're not, it's not like, you know, bye and then they're gone. I mean, they're part of our church. Does that make sense? And so thank you for loving them. And let me pray for you. Let me pray for your marriages. Father, thank you so much for today. We thank you for a commitment to godly marriages. We thank you for the book of Song of Solomon. We thank you for sex and intimacy, spiritually, emotionally, physically. We thank you, God, that you've given us this gift of life. Oh, God, we're so grateful that for the moments and the days we have. Lord, you've blessed us with life. We thank you for pursuing us with your love unconditionally. If you're here today, no one looking around real quick. God loves you with all of his heart. He sent his son Jesus to a cross to die for you, to remove sin and shame and guilt. Maybe you've messed up in some way. Maybe you feel like, well, I'm not worthy of God's love. I've messed up sexually. I've messed up morally. I've messed up in my life or I've hurt people or whatever. You feel like you're just not good enough for God. That's not true. God's here and he's here saying he loves you through me, that you're, you're, you're beloved, you're worthy, you're valued by God. So much so he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to take all of our sin and shame and guilt, mistakes, all of our pain, nailed it to a tree and then God came back to life in Jesus to give us a brand new heart where we can actually have a relationship with a good father. If you're in this place, you say, Pastor, I need a fresh start with God. I don't know why, but you'd say, you know what? I need a fresh start. I'm ready to surrender to Jesus and let him be the leader of my life. Would you just put your hand up to me right now? If that's anybody in here, I'll just give you a second. If you're online, would you just type in fresh start? We'd love to pray with you. Just put it, put it up high so I can pray with you. I need a fresh start with God. Anybody at all in here? I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I need a fresh start with God. Just hold it up. Awesome. If you're online, type in fresh start. I'm going to pray a prayer with all of us. Father, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I give you my life today. I surrender. I believe that you're God. I believe you rose from the dead. I repent and turn from my sins and I turn to your grace. Thank you for showering me with your love and filling me with your spirit. I'll serve you the rest of my life in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.